Psalm 8 begins this, and then we'll pray. O Yahweh, our Lord, or you could say Adonai, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas, O Yahweh, our Lord, or Adonai, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. God, your name is majestic in all the earth. We see that because of the heavens above us, and we see that because of our role on this earth, but we also see it in your plan, your plan to still and to stop and to silence the enemy, Satan, the serpent. And you have crushed the serpent and defeated Satan at the cross by sending a baby for us. Help us to look to that message today and praise you in this time. Lord, we love and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Question for our children. Children, remember, everybody. How many of you, and you can show this by um, raise of hands, how many of you have gone stargazing? Stargazing. Got a lot of stargazers out there, a few stargazers. For those of you who don't know, stargazing is when you go usually out to a field, a place where there's not many lights, and you get to go look up into the skies. Stargazing was one of the fondest memories that I had as a child. I loved being able to go out to the fields and my dad, well, um, my family lived in the country and so my dad and my mom would take us camping and we would go out to places where there wasn't much light and we got to be able to see the stars. But one of uh, my even fonder memories was the first time that I got a telescope. And the first time that I got got a telescope, I can still remember what it was like. We had a back porch, and it was night, I think it was midsummer, and we took that telescope out there, weather was great, and for the first time, I got to peer through that telescope, and I got to see the stars, I got to see the moon, the planets, got to see constellations, even trace the constellations, and I saw, as I saw it, I was just amazed. And I remember thinking about these massive planets and these massive stars and this massive galaxy, and all I could think of is, wow. That's awesome. It's the same place that we start today in our psalm. It's right where the psalmist starts. He says, O Yahweh our Adonai, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And so he's seeing the Lord through the natural creation. But the way that he's mainly seeing the Lord through his natural creation is by peering up into the heavens. He says, you have set your glory. You notice that. Your glory above the heavens and that language that he's using when he's saying above the heavens is he's just saying the night sky even look at verse three and you can see this when i look at your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and stars which you have set in place the above the heavens is the night sky 
there were really three heavens to the Hebrew mind. There was one, the heavens that we look up and see right now in the blue sky or the gray sky when there's clouds. And there's the heavens above that, the stars and the galaxies and everything beyond that. And then, of course, beyond that is the third heaven, which is where the Lord dwells. But as the psalmist looks up, he says, wow, it's amazing. I get to see the glory of the Lord in the heavens. And I get to praise him. It's interesting, as I was a child looking through the telescope, and I was able to see, wow, those are stars. Wow, those are planets. Wow, that's the moon, and be able to see craters on the moon. I thought, that's awesome, that's beautiful, and that's great. But I really miss the whole amazement of it. I really miss the glory of it. Because in that time, I never actually did what the psalmist instructs us to do. The psalmist instructs us to actually look up and see these things and not just see it's a beautiful creation, but rather see the creature beyond the creation and see, say, how majestic is your name? How awesome are you in all the earth? And so, I invite you today, as you see the beautiful creation around us, and sometimes in this weather, it's great or terrible, the other day I drove back uh, what is usually a three-hour drive from western Kentucky. Ended up being about an eight or nine-hour drive. And so this weather really put a damper on our day. But then honestly, as I look around and I see the beautiful world around us, I see, wow, it's amazing. And we get to praise the Lord by seeing his beautiful creation. Simple application, and that's exactly what the psalm wants to you to do, is it wants you to walk away in some way praising the Lord. And so first thing you can do is you can praise the Lord by seeing his beautiful creation. And even just to, to attach this to the gospel for a moment, we know that Jesus Christ has washed us white as snow. When you look around and you see the whiteness of the world today, you can see how clean you are because of Jesus. But going back to the telescope and looking at the night sky and seeing everything, a question appeared in my mind or came to me, and that was something like this. This world, this galaxy, these stars are so far off and this place is so big and it's so gigantic. How do I fit in? This world that's so massive, this galaxy that's so expansive and just large, what is my place in it? How do I actually fit in and do I actually even have a purpose in this? And this is the same thing that the psalmist realized when he began to look around the world. Look at verse 4, if you have your open your copy of God's word. He asks the question, What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? So he sees, God, you're so big. You're so awesome. You're so glorious. You're so awe. That's what you are, God. Your glory causes me to praise you. But how do I fit in in this great big plan? How do I come in to this plan? Another question uh, for our children, and this is good for all of us. Do any of you have a dream of what you want to be when you grow up? No, Patsy's like, yeah, I have a dream, that I, what I want to be. Steve has a dream, right? Steve wants to be a professional bowler. Um, <laughs> Zach's gone right now, but he still dreams of being a professional baseball player, as he confesses to me all the time. We all have our dreams, right, of what we want to be, of what we want to do. And to this big question of how do I fit into God's massive universe, this place that is whole, so big, is God says, 
I've actually given you an occupation. I've actually given you a responsibility. I've actually given you a role on this earth. And this is one of the ways that God says, I value you and you fit in. Notice what he says in verses 5 through 8. He says, yet you have made him, that's mankind, a little lower than the heavenly beings. So hear that. You're not angels, right? You're a little bit lower. But look what he's done to you or what he's given you. And crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. God says, you want to know that you're valued and you want to see value? Look at the way that I created you. I created you with a purpose. I created you with a responsibility. I created you with a role and your role is this. It's to be a king to be a king over all the earth. And this comes right out of Genesis 1, 26 through 28. When God said, I have made man and woman in my image and in my likeness. And then from their image and likeness, he tells them what to do. And he says, you are to do this. Have dominion, subdue the earth, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, everything that crawls on the ground. He's saying what you're supposed to be is you're supposed to function like a king like a queen, like a ruler over the earth as you begin to rule over all the animals and all the plants. And you fit in to my beautiful world. And of course, you're lower than the angels, which means you're lower than God, so you're not a king over him, but you are a subservient king under him, ruling. And I think even in verses 5 through 8, he's reflecting upon that Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And you can even think about this living itself out in the Genesis narrative. When Adam takes all the animals, and what does he do? He exercises his authority, his dominion over them by naming them, by telling them what they are. I think about this, when I often think about this text, and I think about the role of humans, I oftentimes think about my grandfather. My grandfather was a farmer. My grandfather uh, farmed livestock. He also farmed corn and, corn and soybeans. Um, but his favorite thing that he farmed was livestock. And it was cattle. And uh, he farmed Angus. And so he always had really good beef. And one of the ways that he expressed dominion over those cattle and over them is by, yes, taking care of them, feeding them, making sure they're well fed and well protected and that they're going to continue to live. But one of the ways that he expressed dominion over them as well is by enjoying them, eating them, right? That's a picture of dominion of what we see in the human responsibility, in the human role. And some of you might be saying, well, I'm not Adam, and I don't have a bunch of fish and birds and animals around me all the time. Some of you do, I know that. Um, And I'm not your grandfather either, who was living on a farm and around a bunch of livestock and exercising dominion over them. So how do I fit into this role? Well, God has still given us all a vocation. He's given us all a responsibility to act out on this earth and to even fulfill this command. And one of the ways that we fit into God's great grand plan on this earth is to take dominion over the earth, to subdue it by the way that we work. Whether it's you as a nurse, whether it's you as a pilot, whether it's you in retirement, whether it's you working with kids, whether it's you working in a store, working in sales, even being a pastor even. Imagine that. 
We have a role in this life to do what he's talking about right here, to subdue the earth and have dominion over it. And we give praise to God through it. Wow. God does an amazing thing in causing us to become part of his creation. That's a lot. Big, great world, but then also giving us a great responsibility to subdue it and have dominion over it. Sadly, what happens oftentimes when we preach this text and we read this text, um, we see all that and it's good and it's glorious and it's awesome, but we lose maybe the key truth of it all. The key reason actually why Psalm 8 is here. And I like this, or I like to think about this, because I think it's actually similar to our season that we're in right now. Uh, Christmas season is wonderful. As I was talking about earlier, I love the lights. I love the trees. I love the family. I love the presents. Most of all, I love the food. About to go to my family, who's about four hours up in Illinois, and you better believe I'm going to come back 20 pounds heavier because we're just going to eat and eat and eat and eat. And I love it, right? It's, it's, it's really good. It's really grand. But just like sometimes when we see this psalm and we see the grandeur of God's good world and we see our responsibility in the world, we can lose sight of the main purpose of this psalm and why it's really here. And I want to encourage you to not lose sight of the reason for this season. I don't want you to lose sight of the purpose of all the universe. I don't want you to lose sight of the purpose of your life. I don't want you to lose sight of the purpose of this psalm. And I want this psalm to lead you and guide you in worship today. Look at verse 2. I skipped over it uh, intentionally, but it fits well here. Verse 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you establish strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. The most profound words in this psalm, and maybe all of the psalms, are these ones right here. Think about this for a moment. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, babies and infants, we're talking about Ellis over there who's spitting out of her mouth right now and Ruthie, who knows where she's at at right there? She's back there, right? Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength against your foes. This is David writing right here and he's talking about foes. He's probably talking about military might, powers, armies, massive forces. And he's saying against those forces, here's what you have done. You've taken infants and babies to establish strength and even to take it farther, to silence the avenger, to still them, to stop them, to end the enemy's war. Imagine if after last week when Mandy had all these kids up here and she had them very well ordered, right? That was impressive how well ordered that she had them. But let's imagine, I said, I'm going to take all this crew and I'm going to go wage war against China, against Russia, against Iran, what would you think? <laughs> well, <laughs> probably Russia, okay. <laughs> Maybe Iran, right? But in reality, when we actually think about this, we know that's absolutely foolish. That's absolutely silly. For those of you who's been in the military, you're like, yeah, no chance. That crew, as wonderful as they were for 15 minutes, trying to get them organized and then take down a military might absolutely no shot but this is God's strategy and this is how God works and this has been his plan all from the beginning as 1 Corinthians 1 says God uses the things that are weak in the world to shame the strong God has planned this since the fall after Adam and Eve 
took of the fruit of the tree and ate and sinned and committed cosmic treason against the great God who loved them and cared for them and provided a home for them, God cursed the serpent who tempted them to eat of the tree. And he said, Cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. And on your belly you shall go all the days of your life and dust shall you eat. And then listen to this. This is where Psalm 2 comes in. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, your babies and her babies. Her babies will bruise your head and your babies will bruise her heel. God promised in Genesis 3.15 restoration, redemption, salvation by going to war with Satan, by sending children through Adam and Eve to save the world. And all through the Old Testament, we see figures like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and Solomon, and so many more. When we think, when we see these figures who are mighty in power, that they're going to defeat the work of Satan, that they're going to win the battle, but they all failed. They all fell short. And we're still looking for the seed, the child, the offspring who is going to come, as Psalm 8-2 says, as a baby and an infant and going to defeat the enemy. And the enemy is the serpent. The enemy is Satan. And at this time, David is looking forward, hoping for that son to come who's going to defeat him. This is about a thousand years before he came. And for us now, we look back, over 2,000 years back, to see the one who has come, who has come as God, incarnate, humbling himself by taking on the form of 8-2 says, a baby and an infant, becoming incarnate, becoming helpless, becoming a little child, so that he might take on flesh, live perfectly, go to the cross, wage the war that's going to actually defeat Satan and the serpent, and going to defeat the enemies. What Psalm 8-2 promised over now 3,000 years ago has happened, and we have victory over them. The enemy is done because of what Jesus did by becoming a baby and an infant. So today, as you walk out of here, you will have many things that will come to your attention. Many things. And I will have many things that will come to my attention. And I will admit, there's a great likelihood that I will be distracted for the rest of the day. Four-hour car ride with babies in the car, roaring their heads off. Let's get to Mimi's. Then going and eating for the rest of the night and then doing presents. I want, you, I want to encourage you to fight to remember Psalm 8-2. To not get lost in the midst of the season do not get lost in the midst of the presence. Yes, they're great, and pursue them, do them. That's great. That's awesome. But remember what the Lord has done. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for today, and we praise you so much that you have sent Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son, to rescue us, to redeem us, to save us. We thank you that you have humbled yourself in such a way um, 
that causes us to remember you, causes us to praise you. And may we do the very same thing that the psalmist calls us to do. Call upon you, Yahweh our Adonai, and say how majestic is your name in all the earth. God, we thank you for Christ. We love and praise you in his holy name. Amen.